What's going on ladies and gents? Welcome to the second instalment of season two. And today we've got our first guest of the season coming through. That's right, our first guest coming through. And it is none other than Mr. 5am himself, D Ludlow. So whenever someone asks me about D, the first thing I always think of is value, right? Whenever it's me speaking to him or whether it's us as a collective speaking to him, we always seem to extract a lot of value out of the conversation. And that's, that for me is so, so important. You know, D's a tremendous thinker, a really great macro thinker, and he's got a good business acumen as well, which serves him pretty well across the fields that he operates in. So D, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on the episode. We hope you enjoy this, guys. And here's a little snippet of what to expect. All these countries which are hit the hardest by inflation are probably going to pick this asset up first, you know. Lost 50% volatility to a country at which the currency is being inflated by probably over 100% a year. For this to be now half price, you know, like you just said, when it was 10k, people didn't want to buy it. When it was 20k, they were waiting for 10k. When it was 30k, they were waiting for 20k. And it's, this has been the same all the way up. In some places, in some cities, and even some, I've seen it down here in New Orleans one time, is that, you know, people are outside of, you know, McDonald's bargaining for 15 to $18 an hour, right? And you have people making, you know, close to $1,000 a week staying at home, you know? So it's just kind of like, what is it saying about how people were getting paid before this trillions and trillions of dollars rollout came along? Welcome guys to episode two. The current Bitcoin price is around about $35,000 and we are joined by the legend that is Mr. D Ludlow. What's going on, brother? Awesome guys. Good to be here. Good to have you back, man. Good to have you back. A much anticipated episode two with yourself. Episode one went down well, man, I think. I'd like to think so anyway. Yeah, I think it flowed nicely, I think, between all of us. Yeah, man, we had some great feedback from, from our audience and your passion, I think, is the, is the main thing that kind of came across because you were going on a big, big rant about Bitcoin and your, and, your, and your whole thesis about it. So we loved it, man. We loved having you on. Okay. How are we doing, boys? Amish, Korean, nice to have you back. Yeah, we're good. We got the um, correct Bitcoin price today. So uh, We got the correct Bitcoin price. Well, we're good. We're good. <laughs> so D, we're kind of doing this thing at the moment where we're kind of just, we're just kind of calling out the Bitcoin price at the start of each episode. And on episode one, which dropped earlier today, I accidentally called the Bitcoin price of $55,000 at the start of the last episode, <laughs> getting a bit ahead of myself. But yeah, it is what it is, man. Hopefully we see that number sooner rather than later. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, bro. Hopefully. But yeah, talking about Bitcoin, man, you were recently at the Bitcoin conference, which was which was a bit of a show. I had no idea you were going. I just seen it on your story that you were at the Bitcoin conference and just kind of want to get your thoughts on, on how, how that was for you, bro, and your kind of biggest takeaways from it. I did talk to Amish yesterday about this. So it, it was really good. It was good to be there and stuff, but it was really sort of Bitcoin maxi. So, which is cool because that's sort of, we're all bulls, but it was hard to sort of get any other opinion other than like, to the moon, to the moon. That's, that's all I kept hearing. So um, it was good. I met a few good people there, but yeah, it was, it was sort of just a showcase of why, you know, the emergence of this space, which is good because that's sort of what we're all promoting. You couldn't challenge anyone's opinion there, put it that way. There was, there was, there was none of that. <laughs> it, it was funny because on your story, you literally like, I'm in Miami, oh, there's the Miami Bitcoin conference. And I, I literally said to myself, oh, you know what, that, that'd be pretty cool. You know, we'll probably go to that. Then I checked the date and I said, hang on a minute, that's tomorrow, isn't it? So I was like, in the future, mate, anything like that, give us a bit more than uh, 20 minutes notice and we might be able to, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough to travel as it is. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what, if you've got, we were just saying, he's definitely got some secret kind of connections. He's, he's always on the move. So <laughs> what, what is traveling actually like? It's like, you know, off topic. What, what's actually like at the moment? 
majority of places you just need like a COVID test. And there's, there's obviously complications with certain like red list countries and d- dependent on where you go to. So, you know, I wanted to go a different route here and I couldn't because depending on where country you go to, some won't let some come in and dependent on where your passport is held. It's, it's complicated, but there's ways, there's ways to do it. You just got, it feels like there's nothing online. It needs to be an app where it's like, right, I'm in Greece or I'm in this, or I'm in Dubai. I want to get to this place. How do I get there? That, that's, there should be an app because <laughs> it's hard. Now, just, just going back to what you were saying, bro, about the, the BTC conference, it did seem that way on, on social, right? You had all that, that Max Kaiser video, which went viral mm. where he was, <laughs> that, that was just ridiculous. That guy who jumped on stage and with the Dogecoin t-shirt and it seemed very, it just seemed like a massive like meme frenzy, more of a meme conference as opposed to a Bitcoin conference. Quite, but, quite immature, right? Yeah, definitely, man. And I, yeah. I was listening to the, the Real Vision Daily Briefing earlier on and a couple of the guys from there actually went to the Bitcoin conference as well. And they were mentioning they were seeing a lot of, what was interesting was they were saying there was a lot of people in suits and ties there, just just hidden it, just hidden in, 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 in the kind of the whole frenzy of the whole kind of the event, right? So I, I'm guessing there was a little bit more institutional kind of attraction to that event, considering what's happened over the last kind of 12 months. But I don't know, if, did you see that at all? Like any, any people that stood out from the crowd? I didn't see it personally. In some of the, the tents, on some of the stages, there was, you could see that there was more of a corporate vibe in some areas. But to me, the majority of people, it was like a gaming conference. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. And the sentiment, is, is this sentiment still strong? I know, I know you said it was just all Bitcoin maxis. So I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. the sentiment was strong, but the sentiment still strong after kind of what's happened over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, there was nobody that I spoke to that, felt any different you know even some of the sort of in youtube influencers as you want to call them and in, in the space even those it was just a bit i don't know it was a bit immature i'll be honest like that, that yeah it was like there was you could tell there was some people there that you'd like to speak to which is cool but the majority of people it was a bit of like a festival to be fair yeah and i, and I was speaking to someone uh, on the, the saturday evening i think just a friend and he mentioned uh, i think that he spoke to you and he, he rang me he was like I, do you know about this Bitcoin announcement that's happening later on today? I was like, no, what's going on? He goes, everyone's tweeting about it. Pomp's tweeting about it. That there's going to be this huge Bitcoin announcement coming out. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll, I'll keep my eye on things. And then all of a sudden this El Salvador news hit the kind of network while well, the price dumped. <laughs> yeah. What's your thoughts on all of that? In honesty, it was a matter of time, but how quickly some of these other states have come out after El Salvador and kind of pushed that they're up for Bitcoin adoption is, it's a bit wild. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm not sure if we spoke about it previously, but on one of the podcasts before, we talked about small, smaller nations adopting it first because of infrastructure, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that we all knew it was going to happen at some point. And it's definitely becoming way more at the forefront now than ever. Like even in Miami, put the conference aside, on all the bus stops, everything is just Bitcoin, Bitcoin, everywhere you look. And I know the mayor's, you know, fully endorsing Bitcoin and crypto, but it's, I just feel that it's definitely now becoming so much more to the, to the mainstream than ever, which we know that anyway. But the El Salvador thing to me is, is, is a no-brainer. And especially like, it, I think Venezuela, Zimbabwe, all these countries, it would be silly for them now not to, not to do the same thing. Anyone that's struggling with their, their current currency would be crazy not to follow suit. 
Mate, I, I 100% agree. 100% agree. And I, like I said, I was just, I was just more shocked that, you know, the Paraguay came out, Panama came out mm. straight after Mexico and all these nation states coming out so quickly one after the other. I was like, wow, like this is, the domino is, is falling quick. You know, the fire is spreading very quick. It, it didn't seem like it was, they just decided on the spot. It was obviously, they've been discussing this for a while, for a while, right? It's, it's not something that you just all of a sudden think, yeah, let's make Bitcoin legal tender in our country. Because that's, I think from my perspective is that I don't think people understand the magnitude of how important this news is. Mm. Um, I remember last summer I was listening to a podcast, Driving to Work, I remember it really well, with Plan B. And he literally said, that's phase five. That's the next phase in Bitcoin's life cycle, if you like. And, and you, at the time you think, oh yeah, that would be really cool. That would be, I could see that happening. I just I just thought, was well, it this cycle, next cycle, five years, 10 years? Probably less than 12 months later, yeah. When I heard the news and what I thought about was just, you know, of course, how we say the dominoes, you know, are going to fall for every country. And, you know, how we say a lot of times, like nobody wants to be first, but now, you know, everybody's going to scramble not to be last. Is that just El Salvador's population, right, is the same size, basically, of just like the metropolitan city of New York. So having that same type of influence just in a small country or a small nation like speaks volumes on the, you know, on the global perspective, just about how many people it will, you know, impact just by being able to not have a bank account and use a digital wallet as a form of payment to pay your debts to your country. I think that's just, just magnificent. No, definitely. Yeah, I think the stat was around about like 70% of people in El Salvador are on banks. So really bringing a lot of opportunity to, to, to a country which has really almost nothing you could say, even though it seems really beautiful. I've seen a lot of awesome pictures people have been posting of El Salvador recently. I've never really kind of looked into, into the country myself properly before, but um, it does look really beautiful. And yeah, I guess it's just, it's just a case of, you know, all these countries which are hit the hardest by inflation are probably going to pick this asset up first, you know, lost 50% volatility to a country at which the currency is being inflated by probably over 100% a year, right? Yeah, you made a good point there on getting people from unbanked to banked. And a lot of countries have struggled to do this for a very, very long time. This can solve a lot of those countries' problems just by doing this because we we all know, we're all, you know, we're all probably like you know, Koreans in the States and the UK. Getting banked in some of these places for certain people is hard. It, you know, even opening a business account in the UK now, even if you have other businesses, is hard. It's just everything in their banking system, as far as I'm concerned, is flawed. And we know this and has been for a long time. But countries like El Salvador, Paraguay, to get people the opportunity to actually become banked and being in control of what they're doing, I think that's, this is where this brings so much value to people. Mm. And obviously I think Facebook were trying to do something in the, in the bear market in 2018 with their whole kind of Libra thing, which Mm. is exactly, exactly the kind of same thing, kind of trying to un bank the unbanked basically in some of these third world countries. So do you think that that, that poses a threat at some point if and when they do launch? Because I've, I've heard rumors that they are trying to start that project up again. Obviously there's a case of decentralization with Bitcoin as opposed to having your finances controlled by Facebook almost, but what was your thoughts on that? Right now, as far as, because we're, we've sort of hit a crossroads with crypto and sort of our traditional financial system, it's sort of now, it's like, how are they going to have their control of this? You know, they, we've already seen that they can manipulate the market and, and different things like that. But where, where does their control come from? That, that's where I think that's all they care about. Like they don't care 
if Bitcoin exists, they just care of, okay, can we tax it? Can we control it to a certain aspect? Yes, it's decentralized, but what can we do to it? So, you know, I think it would be silly for someone, especially a central bank or government, to think now that, oh, we're going to create something to compete with this now. I think that, not saying they won't do it, they probably will, but I would find that, well, I say anyone intelligent in a, in a boardroom says that, but let's be fair, some of the decisions are on the greatest anyway. But I just feel that it would be hard to um, really think that they're going to create something now to compete or do something similar. That's why I just think they're going to focus on their, their sort of CBDCs, roll them out and be like, well, this is here alongside them, but this is what we're going to be using as sort of legal tender apart from countries like El Salvador, et cetera. The bigger nations are going to find it very hard to do it to start yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we were, we were having this discussion there earlier on this week around whether like the brick economies like Brazil, Russia, mm-hmm. India, China, like how Brazil, are they going to react? Brazil's the one for me. Brazil, yeah, Brazil probably. Well, I think they've, they've already reacted, haven't they? I think they've yeah, yeah, it. Has he got the uh, laser eyes on? I think he does. <laughs> yes, yeah, so see, this is another thing. Like a lot of these these presidents, the presidents or people in Congress in these countries, they haven't officially said they're going to come forward and do it. They've just put laser eyes on their Twitter profile pictures and said and put a hashtag Bitcoin. So I don't know exactly what that means, whether they're just trying to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what the game plan is there, but if they're interested, they're interested and they better pass that Bitcoin bill quick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing is, you know, um, so it was what, Saturday, right? And today is Wednesday, right? So the vote was what this morning, wasn't it? We got official because mm. obviously on Saturday, they've put it forward Congress. And today it was... And it wasn't even close. It was, what, 60 or 2 out of 80, wasn't it, that, that voted in yeah. favour? Yeah. So it's a good solid majority. So my maths just went out the window there. Um, a solid majority that, that voted in favour. So, um, you know, the, the quickness in which it was done, I, I think, you know, it shows volumes that this is something that obviously was, was discussed well or well in advance. And yeah. going back to Libra, I don't I don't think that it can compete now. I don't think it's even, oh. even close. I think the trust, the whole thing goes down to trust, right? I think the trust in Libra was lost a long, long time. It's not called that anymore. It's called something else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's called something that's changed the name, but yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Do you know, funny story, do you know why it was called Libra? No. No. So, so you know, and you think I'm petty, right? So you know, <laughs> you know, Gemini was, is the Winklevoss's platform yeah. right and i think and they're gemini's right and they're twins so they're twins isn't it gemini's so i think zuckerberg is a libra and that's why i call it libra because it's ah, okay okay oh wow yeah okay. yeah so yeah i thought it was to do with something else like i, I heard a thought something once on online and it said libra the definition of libra is like freedom or something so i thought that's where it kind of came in but no idea just, no idea i think it was to compete with gemini that's why because obviously the, the whole winklevoss facebook thing you know, goes back. So yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think that was the, uh, whether it's true or not, that's the story I'm going to believe anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. How did the, how did the U S respond to this? Do you reckon this whole kind of news about these third world countries kind of adopting Bitcoin? With the U S I find a lot of stuff like strange, the way things happen, like state law, federal law, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's just a bit strange. So you've got like Miami who are like very on board, but then, you could have another state that are just totally against it. And I think that that's where the disconnect happens in the US. Uh, so I, yeah, you can see that, you know, you've got like JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, you know, saying obviously good things about Bitcoin. And then you have, say, the Federal Reserve probably don't like it at all. So it's, it's I, I, there's such a disconnect between state and federal yeah. uh, laws and stuff. I, 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 it's hard to sort of predict 
how the US is going to, it's just going to end up being just probably a few arguments and disagreements. You know, you're going to have the mayor of Miami, like potentially to say like, look, Bitcoin, we're fully endorsing Bitcoin, which they sort of are saying now. Yeah. And then you can have someone in Washington and, be, and saying, nope, that can't happen. And it's just going to be, it's, it's the same as the, 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 the COVID situation now. This is over here. I don't know. It's, it's a bit, it's a lot of differences in opinions. It's very state to state, isn't it? I, yeah. When I landed, I landed in Miami and ended up driving to Georgia. And I had to think of, okay, do I need a mask if I go this place? Do am I walking? <laughs> it's, like, it's just, you know, it's like, you have to really think about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and obviously, um, you know, President Trump arose from the dead a couple of days ago. Yeah. To say good things. Yeah, as always. <laughs> as always, as always. What do you think of his very unpredictable comments? Or predictable comments, I should say. If it with Trump now, I think it's at a stage where what he's saying is kind of irrelevant because he's been basically cancelled across mm. social media. Mm. Anything he's saying is pretty much being censored, which I find funny how they managed to put this out there in the media. Anything else he's saying is like, we'll censor it, but he says something bad about Bitcoin. And oh, we'll put that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's hard. right now, I don't think that what he says, I'm not saying it can't move the market because right now it feels like all news is moving the market. That's just the market we're in at the moment. But yeah, I, I think that it's like a minor speed bump. And with stuff like the El Salvador situation now and other countries will follow suit, this is where I think that, yeah, we're going to probably have some consolidation for, it could go on for another few months for all we know. You know, we, we, at the moment, I don't feel that the market is very predictable at all with everything that's going on. But I think that with all of this coming in, it's going to be like a bit of a snowball effect where I feel that it's going to explode mm. when we least expect it. Because at the moment, I'm looking at stuff and you can't even really look at the technicals right now. Like, like maybe James can, Amish can, but for me, I'm looking at it and I feel like everything's just doesn't do what you would expect it to do. It's just, I just feel that it's been a bit suppressed at the moment in the market. And I feel that it will all happen at once. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there's, there's barely any volume in the market right now. I think that's mm-hmm. the main thing that I've noticed. There's, there's very little volume has been for weeks, to be honest with you, even when we were getting those crashes. Obviously, the one, the one that happened on Wednesday, like almost a month ago, and then the Sunday as well, exchange volume was very thin, order books were very thin, mm. and it was easy for like, people to kind of, for players to kind of come in and manipulate the market. But yeah, that, that's the kind of next thing I was going to actually come on to. So you, you kind of timed it perfectly, mate. Just your kind of personal thoughts on the market right now and what you're seeing. Are you seeing more strength? I, I, don't, I don't want you to give it away in, in regards to your personal portfolio, but are you seeing more strength within BTC, alts, or are you going to be holding more cash right now just to kind of stay a bit more safe? Um, to be fair, um. I think, if anything, I'm leaning more towards Ether than anything. Obviously, BTC as well. Like I've, I've never, to be fair, I'm, I've, I haven't exited any of my positions. Yeah. To be fair, I'm, I'm, this is, as far as I'm concerned. Diamond hands day. Diamond hands yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, when times like this happens, you do think, oh, shit, maybe I should have took a little bit of profit off the table on some of the alts. But look, it is what it is. And I'm looking at it like, this is, it, it, it's, it's obviously, you, you have to continue to analyze this because, you know, you, you could you could definitely look at this and people, there's been a lot of comments around, you know, is this a bear market and stuff? And at no point have I thought that, you know, just based on previous data sets and the entire outlook of the market. But 
you, you do have to keep looking at it and where we're at and stuff. And I do think that I said it before, I'm not sure that you guys agree, but I'm not sure that we can continue to follow the the Bitcoin cycle. And I'm not saying it doesn't, it's not going to continue to play out overall the way it should, but I just feel that the cycle as we know it, now we do have that institutional money in the space. I've, I honestly think that it's naive to think that they can't do what they want to do with the market and change the sentiment quite easily. Like they do it in the FX markets every single day. And that's a $5 trillion, $4 trillion market. This market is still very new and it's still in a development stage, still in price discovery. So I do think in the current market that this is definitely market manipulation. I know there's a lot of talk around the Wyckoff theory. I look at it, it looks pretty similar, but you know, I suppose when you're looking for something, you can always find it online. So maybe I also challenge that opinion. But I do think that certain people in this space can move it how they want, the way it is at the moment. There's a couple of really interesting points in there. I think the first one is, it's great to get the counter-argument. I'll personally say that until we, the space is completely regulated, which I don't see, well, we're starting to see some sort of suggestions of that. I don't think it, it happens anytime soon. I think we still get these cycles, but because this cycle now, compared to 2017, there's a lot more derivatives exposure. So mm. what that means is that, and James literally just said something very, very kind of a couple of minutes, minutes ago, and, and the way that um, institutional works, similar to the kind of Forex market, is that they literally, they, they counter trade. So everyone who's going short at the bottom, that's when when you get that kind of pile up of, uh, you know, over leveraged positions, that's when the market kind of, you know, reverses from, if you like. So the institutional guys are seeing where the kind of shorts, if you like, being piled up. And that's what kind of, that's what literally what they'll be there, use as their liquidity to kind of drive the market up, if you like. Mm. So that's the first thing. Wyckoff, again, is, is it Wyckoff? Is it Wyckoff? Uh, yeah, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We've actually been monitoring this in, in our little... Um, other projects, shall we say, and it's playing out very, very well. And, and because yeah. I think Dylan mentioned it last week that it's it's an institutional grade, you know, it's not a chart pattern which which plays out over legacy markets. And it's literally, and I think once we understand the the reasoning as to why it moves in that way, I mean, it's playing out pretty much identical. And this was the kind of region, wasn't it, yes, yesterday, so Dylan, where we expected to see a sort of reversal. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, just to go back to what you were saying, the like, like I was saying, you made some really interesting points, man. I think one of the one of the points I just wanted to touch on to was the kind of the, the institutional kind of presence in this market now, right? We had that kind of 20-30% dip from the highs of 60k, had this huge cascading and liquidations, the little deleveraging of, of of kind of the market. And then I think institutions just pushed it down from there, you know, like mm. I, th- I think they were because the, everyone was saying from the start of this cycle, from the very beginning of the cycle, everyone was saying 30-40% corrections, 30-40% corrections mm-hmm. only. We're all good, we're all good. And then what does Bitcoin go and do? It gives us a fucking 50% mm-hmm. correction, right? <laughs> so I think somewhere along the way between that correction, or even maybe at the top, institutions were probably with that, like we were saying, this wick-off distribution at the top, institutions were probably selling it or, or kind of getting out of positions at the top maybe, having bought in it at around December, January time potentially. And they were probably just unwinding their positions from up there. Because one thing we do have to take into account now, these people are here in quarterly end rebalances, monthly end rebalances. And this is just going to become normal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like you said, sort of the wick-off, wick-off, whatever, whatever, however is said, that sort of theory behind this, it has played out pretty perfectly. And if you look actually into it and they talk about the composite man and the way it works and the way they do it and why they do it, it does seem like, okay, this does look 
like this is happening. But then I suppose at the same time, when the market is doing this, we can also look at the market and try and figure out uh, what is happening. And you can also put stuff in your mind as well. But I agree, like this looks pretty much identical to that. And yeah, I've been leaning towards that sort of theory myself more than anything. And it's, 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 hard, it's hard to put, nothing else really aligns with what's happening apart from what you said. And yeah, the price dipped a lot further than it should have because of the liquidations, just like it did back in March last year. You know, it always, it always tests a lot lower than you'd expect when, especially like places like Asia, are trading serious leverage. Like, you know, and that's oh, going to happen and stuff like this. <laughs> oh, mate, they're the kings of leverage down there, bro. Honestly, they are the kings <laughs> of leverage. Yeah. Yeah. But I think to be fair, everything that's going on, you know, we see a lot of people now, I have conversations with people in sort of traditional finance that still are sort of on the fence about crypto and or Bitcoin predominantly. And, you know, we're, we're in a market now where you could argue that everything's in, in a bit of a bubble. And the way, you, the way you look at it from a say, traditional point of view, you would say, you know, the marginal buyer will set the price. So, you know, people say, if a stock went from, you know, 100 million market cap to a 200 million market cap, I actually said this in a podcast yesterday with someone for crypto versus property. If it goes from 100 million market cap to 200 million market cap, people just assume 100 million just flowed into the market. Mm. But, you know, that, that's pretty much not how it works. The marginal trade sets the price and that's why we have bubbles and sort of the confidence and manipulation creates the bubble. And I'm not saying Bitcoin was in the bubble, but, you know, that marginal buyer is the person who's, who pays those huge premiums like over the consensus price and they can determine the, the value of the market in, in a traditional market. Now with this, so from a traditional point of view, people would try and think this moves the same way. And then the confidence for a traditional investor who's usually in sort of the financial markets finds it hard to understand why an asset that's meant to be, you know, store value or whatever, however you want to call it, or this is the next big thing for it to move and dip 50%. Now we can argue and say, well, the, the volatility is the price you pay for, you know, the, those sort of gains. And unless you understand the market, it's very hard to sort of stomach those dips. But, you know, and I, and look, you guys probably had the same thing. When we, when we just kept dipping, for my phone's blowing up, Know, why is this happening? <laughs> what you know, is a bear market? Is it this? And I think that people get so scared so quickly is they need to really think, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I in this? And, you know, am I in this for short term trade to try and make crazy gains? Or are you in this for the long run because you believe in it? And I think that that's where a bit of a disconnect is in from especially from a retail perspective, mm-hmm. like retail investors. They, because they see these shit coins doing 3,000% in a day, they start to turn this into a casino and then they expect it. Like, you know, in, in, in property or the stock market, you'd be happy with a 10% ROI. In this, <laughs> you know, this, unless this moves 50%, at least people want to sell, sell up and move on. So I think that we're still in a very early stage as far as the way people look at this as an asset class, as well as everything else. We need to take all this into account because yes, retail can't move the market like institutions, but you could argue this is a retail investor's market as well. You yeah. know, we, 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 we adopted this before all of those, you know, and there's people that's been holding Bitcoin 
in cold storage for for the last five or six years. And yeah. that's, that, that's the diamond hands. <laughs> yeah, I think there's an argument there though. When kind of price was being pushed down, I think initially when we were around about that 40k level, maybe um, or just below it, there is data on the on-chain showing that small short-term holders, small wallet holders, you could say, um, holding one Bitcoin or more, they were buying the dip heavy. They were buying the dip heavy, but they just couldn't escape the institutional selling. Like that, that present, you can't escape it, man. Even though, like you're saying, like retail are kind of they're here. We we we're here before these guys. I don't think we stand a chance against them, mate, in all honesty. Oh, no, no, I agree. But my point was that I don't think that the retail that we own, that we run the market, what I mean is we was here first. So yeah. the ones that really believe in the narrative and, and where this is going, they don't mind these dips. Yeah, but okay, yeah. The new retail that comes in, they can't understand it. So when institutions move the market, they, they, that's when they get scared because they're like, well, I was happy to make my... 10, 20, 30% a day when this was going up. Well, I'm not, I'm not ready for these 50% dips. I'm done. And, I, and I've seen this on my IG where people are, that maybe aren't, wasn't in crypto, now they're in crypto because everyone's talking about it. They can't stomach 50% corrections, 30% is, corrections. Is, that, is they, that because they're, they're in it for the wrong reason, basically? Yeah, yeah exactly. So maybe I haven't sort of explain this very well yeah <laughs> but um, um yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's the reason why is because they, they they're not concerned about really doing research and understanding this they're just concerned about well this market's moving quickly i'm just going to cash in and jump on the bandwagon whereas the diamond hands come in for the people that understand it so when these corrections happen like when we, um amish jumped on um ig i felt that we we needed to do that you know i think that mm-hmm. is people expect to hear from people like us. Like I know for a fact tomorrow, if the property market rolled over, a lot of the educators in that space, you wouldn't see them. They, 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 there's no chance. So, and same as the stock market, you, you, you've all heard the stories, you probably watched the films. A lot of the pioneers in the space or the people that you know, are out there promoting it, they, they, they all go into hiding. So when it does happen and it does roll over, like I wasn't concerned. I say I wasn't concerned. You get concerned when any, any correction happens, but because of the bigger pictures there, that's why I, I, didn't, I didn't exit any of my positions. And some of them I've been holding for probably 18 months. But, and I know I could still sell now and I'd walk out the market pretty nice. But I, I know in my head, I'm like, this, this isn't over. And mm-hmm. I'm not doing it from a confirmation bias standpoint. I'm doing this from the over, the, my overview of this is, is, is not done yet. This isn't done. So I'm not going to sell up just out of fear. That's, that's not me. Then, like you said, for sure, I think just newer retail has more of the gambling casino mindset, you know, just to see that, hey, I could put $100 into something and triple it in a week, possibly. But when that $100 turns into 20 bucks, it's not fun anymore. You know, so. Exactly. I think there's layers to that there. So there's obviously people are... They didn't want to listen when Bitcoin, when we told them at you know sub 10k, they realized it was going up. They saw the safe moon doges and elons of the world doing their thing. They jumped in at the worst possible time. They didn't realize it was because you know I think it was that 70 cents. I reference this a lot. It was that kind of 70 cents doge region where everyone's like, yeah, it's going to a dollar, and you can just see it. It was it was it was the the, the, the arguments that they were trying to put forward as, as rationale. They're like, this is our you know, get out of jail free car. This is our actual thing. And and you tell them, you know, you tell them, look, this isn't it, man. You know, if you want to do some research, Bitcoin needs long-term five, 10 years, and you, you'll be absolutely fine. But they just didn't want to hear it. They just didn't want to listen to it. And it was a bit like, you know, how we were with the with XRP in 2017. You just, 
you're delusional. You know, you're not, there's no rational thinking going on whatsoever. And often those people, again, like we've been in the past, they, they put in money that they couldn't really afford to lose. So it was pure gambling. Yeah. And then what's happened in the last three weeks, which it seemed like, God, six months, should we say? I mean, I mean, D, when we jumped on that that Instagram live, that it seems a long time ago now. You know, a lot, a lot has happened in the, in, in the last, and, and you know, we've been in this space for three, four years, and you know, you could, we can't say that mentally we didn't, we weren't kind of struggling. So if you're a new investor and you put some money in here that you probably were gambling with a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if a month later you, you're like, I'm never coming back to this because this is an absolute scam kind of thing. Whereas, you know, people have dug underneath the surface. They're like, okay, hang on a minute. Why are countries now adopting Bitcoin as legal tender? You know, someone with a little more, I don't know, maturity, if you like, they mm. would look at that and be like, hang on a minute, that's not normal. You know, I, I can't remember in, in our lifetime, a country saying, yeah, we're going to accept this as legal tender. You know, that's, that's you know, absolute game changing. So is that what the institutions want as well? You know, like we're, they it's a, this is a game of chess. Yeah, 100%, yeah. It's a game of chess for them. So if they can scare off a bunch of retail that they didn't really know what they was doing, and they just thought they had Doge was they get out of jail free card, and they're just gonna, you know, you've seen a lot of the media outlets start saying, "Oh, this guy just bought a Lamborghini because he invested a grand in Doge six mm. months ago." It's just all this nonsense. And then once fear gets put into the market and they get come out, then the institutions is easy pickings for them. And when you start to see the more hedge funds in the space, the more institutional capital flown into different sectors. And, you know, when you've got people like BlackRock, Fidelity, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, they, they, need to, they need to own Bitcoin. They can't, you know, they need to own it. So if they can scale a bunch of people out of the space, then this is all good for them. Like for this to be now half price, you know, like, like you just said, when it was 10K, people didn't want to buy it. When it was 20K, they was waiting for 10K. When it was 30K, they was waiting for 20K. And it's, this has been the same all the way up. And then if you said to some people a few weeks ago, or well, six, seven weeks ago, at 60-odd K, look, if it was 30K today, would you buy it? Everyone would have said yes. Now it's 30K, yeah. no, no one wants to buy it. It's like, so, because they're scared. But, you know, is that's, if I'm an institutional investor and I've got billions of dollars to throw around and I want to be in this space, everything that's going on is perfect right now for them. Mm, mm. Elon. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Since our last conversation, I'm really Since you, know, you know what, bro? You know what? Like, I remember. I literally remember our last podcast as well. We were talking about Elon and we, we, we were giving him a bit of slack. But I feel like his tweets have like gone up a notch since then and he's got a bit more crazy. Yeah, I'm done with Elon, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, did, you, yes. Go on. did you see the anonymous video on the weekend? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. But I didn't watch it. What, 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 did, what did they actually say? It's 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 damning, man. It's it's really yeah, yeah. I'll send it. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish for you in a bit. It's you can see there's a serious ulterior motive, Mm. and it it doesn't look great. I have to say. You know, when I saw that video, or like kind of just saw it pop up on my social media, I was like, "Do we really want to do this? Do we want to poke the bear?" (laughs) Hundred percent. Yeah. I thought that. I thought is this guy doing this justice right now with everything going on, but. I do feel that it needs to be said at the same time. Yeah, I think, I think you know, you can't have, doesn't matter how much money you've got. I don't care who this guy is. You know, you're talking about Bitcoin being, okay, who's got more power? 8 billion people or one man who's probably, I'm not going to go into the Asperger side of things because that's, that's hmm. disrespectful, but someone who's probably got a bit too much money, a big ego and a little narcissism in him. Sorry, mate. You know, I don't care who you are. No one's, no one's above, I'm not saying no one's above anonymous, but... You know, if, if you can, 
be put in your place, need to be put in your place because he's he's been fucking around for way too long, as far as yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And who, who labeled him king of crypto? Like you oh. know, it's like it's like yeah. he labeled himself. Him. He labeled himself yeah. king of crypto. Yeah, self self proclaimed <laughs> king of crypto. It's like yeah, it, I, I, yeah it's, it's got to the stage now where how the SEC hasn't got involved in a bunch of the stuff he does is beyond. Like even, even crypto aside, right? Even the Tesla stuff before, I feel that he just, if that was anybody else doing what he's doing, it'd just be censored and cancelled. I don't understand how. Why does he get a free pass? Why does he get a free pass? Mm, I know it's, it's, it's strange, but yeah, I'm, since we did give him slack, I think Amish was the one that had it right <laughs> last time. You know, he, he was right about this last time and, Said it, man. Said it from day one. Yeah, we give him a bit of slack, but now I'm done with him now. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've seen the light. You, you'll see the Drake light next week on the next, by the next episode. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, fact is, the fact is, though, that he's not sold his Bitcoin. No. What's everyone panicking about then? I don't understand. Yeah. What, this guy's not sold any, any of his Bitcoin. If anything... Tesla's a company which has not really a very consistent cash flow, right? If, if, if I'm correct in saying that, they need Bitcoin. Yeah, 100%. I, They need Bitcoin, man. And I would not be surprised if he's been fucking around with some of these shit coins and kind of been making a bit of money off it for, for Tesla. I wouldn't be surprised. And, and, and you know, like, this is the thing. You made a good point there. Why are people getting scared over the fact that they're not taking Bitcoin as payment? Like, for one... What, why on earth would you pay for a Tesla in Bitcoin for a start? And secondly, if he hasn't sold any, what's changed? Nothing's changed. Nothing the, the, his, his outlook hasn't changed either because he hasn't sold any. But the, I said it on my mastermind a few weeks ago, right? And you probably all thought, think the same. I was like, this doesn't, and we've seen it like a, a week later. I'm like, this guy is going to be in forefront of renewable energy around Bitcoin yeah. on some mining facility in texas or hawaii or something like that and then back a week or two later michael saylor sat down and spoke about the energy consumption and, and elon's involved and it's like yeah this this is this cracks me up he, because he wants to be this this green guy he, he's would 100 i think he's gonna be at the forefront of the the entire energy energy consumption issues of bitcoin and when you think about it in the grand scheme of things anyone that does any research on it I don't, I don't see what the big issue around it is. Like we've talked about it previously. Our current financial system is an absolute joke when it comes to energy consumption. So why aren't we talking about anything to do with that? You know, why, why is this big, this huge sort of narrative around Bitcoin being bad and stuff? And then I seen Charlie Munger say, I seen it, it was a meme, I think, or a tweet. And he was like, Charlie Munger says, Bitcoin isn't good for people and we don't invest in stuff that isn't good for people. And then underneath he was like, but we do own a huge position in Coca-Cola and Kraft Heinz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just I find it, it's like people are just trying to find anything to say something bad about it because of where we are now and because it's coming way more mainstream than, than people, some people like. Do you think it's all like a reverse like psychology on just pr- price oppression, like for their benefit? Yeah. Look. yeah. To be fair, like people say about about the Warren Buffett thing. Well, Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time, still hasn't changed his mind on it. Well, it's like, well, Warren Buffett at 90 odd years old, does he really need to change his mind? He's already said that he's only going to give his kids 10 million and the rest goes to Bill Gates' fund or whatever. So why does he need to buy Bitcoin now? Why does he need to sort of damage his legacy and outlook over stuff? He doesn't need to do that. Whereas Ray Dalio, for instance, changed his mind. 
But I like that because Bray Dalio wasn't scared to to change his mind. Whereas Buffett and Munger are like, yeah, we're just going to stick to the rat poison <laughs> sort of opinion on this and we're not going to change our mind because, again, it's probably ego. Buffett's actually invested into a company who uses Bitcoin within their infrastructure. Invest $500 million in digital bank offering crypto products. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think through, I think through Ber- Berkshire Hathaway, his own mm. company. Too. Yeah, there you go then. Yep. There you go. Indirect exposure to Bitcoin. The other one, sure. you know, um, Trump's advisors, I think one of them had a history of saying, yeah, I own like a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, Tim, Tim Wu or something like that, I think his name yeah, was. Yeah, one of them, yeah, one of them. So it's in, like, Yeah, in 2017, he, he bashed Bitcoin saying it was a scam yeah. and now owns about a million dollars worth of it. Don't listen to what they say, watch what they actually do. Yeah. yeah so Elon's saying one thing and he's doing something completely else. So it's just the thing of that, that that exact thing you just said then. That what people people sell and they do silly things because someone's doing say says something, but if you just die, you don't have to even dissect the tweet. We're gonna stop payments in Bitcoin, but I'm not selling any. Why why did that change market sentiment so much? I it just shows how immature we still are in the space. If, you know, there's, there's still a lot of people that are uh, sort of in this space now really don't have a clue. What's happening with your uh, Cybertruck order, Dave? Well, I feel like I've been done over, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> first start, I'm a bit... Uh, you know, I actually emailed them. After we, you give me a bit of stick, I'm uh, <laughs> uh, I actually did email them saying, like, what's the situation about cancelling this order? And they just didn't reply. But... <laughs> So when I ordered it originally, there was all talks from the dealership in Dubai, like, you know, the, you know we'll let you know in three months when you, you can be delivered. Now it's like, well, we don't know how long it's going to take for America and the UAE is going to be way after America. So it's like, well, are we talking three months? Are we talking like a year? And I can't get any sense out of them whatsoever. But I have, I have emailed them to cancel the order, but they haven't responded. But, you know... So that's that's feeling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, someone else uh, actually t- test drove a Tesla the other day, and they they were speaking about you know sort of talking to the staff, and they're like, you know, what's your actual views on Elon? And they're like, look, we, this is a guy that we looked up to for years, you know, really, really idolized this guy. Now they're just like they're making him, you know, it's embarrassing. You know, they're they're really embarrassing him. They're really disappointed. I think disappointed is the word. You know, there's that there's that there's that wonderful saying is that I'm not angry at you. I'm disappointed, and that's that's the worst thing you could ever say yeah. to someone. And, and a lot of them, you know, I, I mean, I didn't speak to them personally, but I think a lot of people feel let down by his just very childish and egotistical behavior. And the fact the matter is, you know, it's, it's, it's probably it probably cost people money that they can't afford to lose, you know, life-changing amounts that they just yeah. can't afford to lose. And it's, yeah, I've said it time and time again, and, you know, we'll probably keep coming up, but not a fan, not a fan. I think you're right, though, with, with you know, sort of how I looked at him. I thought that, you know, this guy is doing stuff that is changing things in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, it was something that, you know, that people can look up to and think, oh, fit, you know, fair play, this guy's doing things. Mm-hmm. And when you start coming on Twitter and being very childish, it's... He's damaging himself. You know, people, like you just said, people may think, oh, you're doing things which are good, but then you go on Twitter and start asking for Sheba pups and things like this. It's, just, it's a bit childish. And I, I just unfollowed him. I don't even want to see what he says anymore. Honestly, I, I, I can't listen to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I think I need to do the same. 
I think he just has, I, I really think he just has so much influence over the up and coming generation mm-hmm. that it's done like unrealistic proportions, right? So for example, like maybe when we were younger, we probably look up more to like a Bill Gates, right? That is like when he was the richest man and then, you know, computers and we were learning computers in school and it was the new thing, right? So of mm-hmm. course it influenced our whole generation moving forward into like now moving into digital assets and stuff. And I feel like just basically if we just look back to maybe like the 15 to 21 year olds, they swear by Elon. Right. And so Mm -hmm. being that they're the next up and coming generation, I feel like, you know, some of them feel like he can do no wrong, but now that we're in a different, you know, area and a different perspective of how we look at these people, I think our mindset has just changed on you know, how we view some of the people who, you know, at one point were titans of their industry. Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues we have today with technology is the speed of information. So, you know, someone like him put something out there and people react so quickly because the the speed of information, whereas years ago, if it was in a newspaper, by the time people really have a sort of impact on stuff, sometimes didn't happen as bad. Whereas now you've got someone tweeting something and is moving the market. It's, 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 yeah, it's something, I don't, something needs to happen on that side of stuff because it's becoming a bit of a joke now, how, how often it happens. Definitely, bro. I think so. I think so. The SEC needs to step in sooner rather than later. I think, I think like, like you mentioned just previously, the, I don't know what they're doing. Regulation seems pretty slow in the US anyway, as it is with crypto, but I'm sure once the space gets regulated, he'll have a few knocks on his door <laughs> or a few letters <laughs> coming his way. Right, bro, just to close up, I wanted to kind of just get your thoughts on a few macro things going on right now. Inflation's a big word being thrown around at the moment, if, if you've kind of probably been keeping up with, with what's been going on. There's obviously talks of, sorry, Fed, the Fed kind of tapering and starting to taper towards the end mm-hmm. of this year or early to next year even as well. We've obviously got tomorrow big US data coming out around CPI and PPI. I'm not sure if you saw today, but China dropped some inflation numbers earlier, earlier today as well. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so CPI was pretty flat year on year, but producer price index PPI was actually the highest since 2008 financial crisis. It popped up to around 9% and the highest it has been since then was around 10%. So China are now actually actively going to look to control commodity prices by starting to push out more supply of things like corn, wheat and pork and things like Mm. that. Because if if you've seen over the last few weeks, commodity prices in China have been flying up exponentially. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on inflation right now? Is it is is it transitory, like the the Fed are saying, or is it is it something more permanent? I haven't made my mind up yet. Like, so I've seen Janet Yellen saying that you know inflation is going to be good thing, and they're on about talking about if we raise rates, it would be good too. Now, I think raising rates in this. (laughs) <laughs> in what's going on right now, I think would be devastating for for many people. Like you got, if you look at just from landlords for a point, you know, if, like can you imagine raising rates for people? Some of these people are already over over leveraged and have massive exposure. You, you got people in a Lloyd's TSB in the UK saying they're becoming a landlord. So is you already see that things from that sort of view, looking at the market isn't the greatest anyway. I don't think they know what they're doing. And originally, I thought we were going to see more stagflation. I thought we, well, we sort of did. There was no, there was a decrease in growth because there was no growth and we had an increase in prices. So I thought that maybe that, but then, then I was like, are we going to see some, you know, asset price deflation at some point and then price of goods inflation and then maybe an extended period of sort of economic decline. 
I've, I haven't fully made my mind up on it. I, I think we, there's a, we could even see, you know, potentially both inflation and deflation. Like they're not going to want deflation because the amount of debt that they've taken on, you know, they're going to try and stay away also from too much inflation because it, that's going to cause all sorts of problems within sort of, you know, the price of wages next to the price of goods, which doesn't get talked about enough. But overall, I'm, I'm not sold on any of it at the moment. I, th- I feel that, put it this way, right? So I was down in Miami, my friend wanted a sort of an outfit for the fight and he went in Gucci, right? And he, they seen, there's a Gucci polo shirt that was around 500 pounds normally and they had it for $950 in Miami. So I was like, um, wh- why is this so expensive? And she said, everything's gone up. Everything has gone up. And I'm like, so you, you're seeing just, you know, clothing shops putting their price up from, from a polo shirt that was literally a couple of months ago a lot cheaper. So with everything, you've seen all asset prices inflated as well. Like people are just putting their money anywhere they can at the moment because to save their purchasing power. You've seen like Pokemon cards, crazy prices. So as far as inflation, I would argue that we're already, I think that it's worse than they, they, they're saying but I'm not sold on the, oh, I don't know what's going to happen at the moment. I feel that there's a lot of things coming out that counteract each other. And I just think that they, yeah, the, the reason why there's a lot of smoke and mirrors is because they don't really know, like, obviously the yield curve control is, yeah, I think that's going to be devastating. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't made my mind up on any of it. I'm really, I've been writing this sort of, um, like an article on the whole thing for a while and I keep changing it because I don't really know. <laughs> I, have, I see things day, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis and I'm like, I don't really know where this is going. I, I don't think they do. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I think um, every week something comes, you said it perfectly, there's, there's things coming out which are counteracting each other. I'm, I'm trying to look at it from a bigger picture perspective in terms of how it's going to affect kind of other markets, like how, how it's going to affect equities, how is it going to affect mm. crypto, Obviously, you'd like to think that if inflation goes up, Bitcoin would also go up as well. But if mm. if inflation goes up and treasuries do rise, then you're going to see a knock-on effect on the equity market, and then is that going to affect crypto? And it's just it's 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 a bit of a, it's crazy, man. So I'm I'm in the very much in the same boat mm. as you. This week so far, I've been keeping an eye on treasuries. The, the market's been pretty quiet this week ever since Monday, but I've been keeping an eye on treasuries and the dollar, and they're both pretty weak. Treasuries have been mm. falling all week. And that seems like, I don't know whether it's just because people are being a little bit cautious maybe before the, before the print tomorrow, the US inflation print tomorrow, or I don't know, man, but yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea where this is going to go. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to in two weeks time, or I think next week even is the FOMC. I'm, I'm quite interested to see what the Fed say because last week's employment numbers out of the US weren't too great. I think it was just like in that kind of middle ballpark kind of number that it was it wasn't above expectations. It wasn't too below expectations either. And the Fed have said that them kind of raising rates or doing anything to tapering is going to kind of rest on the labor market showing strength. So until we see some consistent numbers coming out of the US in regards to jobs, I don't think the Fed are going to make a move. Yeah. And to be fair, right now, because the Fed, their job, really, they, well, they've abused sort of monetary policies. <laughs> their actual job being the Fed they don't really have anything to do at the moment. Mm. Realistically, like, well, what, what more can they do? They've, they've dropped rates to zero. They've printed more money than we've ever seen in existence. No, so <laughs> what else are they going to do? I <laughs> it is, that, that, every market is toppy as hell. Yeah. Like, 
what right now is the best thing that could happen, which is because dependent on who this affects, like it's not going to be very good, but they need, I think they just need to let things roll over. I'll be honest. I, I think you that, said this last time as well. I remember in our podcast, you said yeah. there needs to be a reset. You can't just call on forever. Yeah. It's like, and, and the, how much they push this up now, like, you know, even if we had a, a correction is, is if we go back to even six months or so, because this has been an exponential growth. It's like, even if there is a correction, yeah, you could, there's, there's many companies insolvent now. They just, it's just, mm. you know, but the correction is not going to be nowhere near. It'll be a bad correction, but it's not going to be considering where they've pushed this up to looking back, how bad yeah. is it going to be? You yeah. know, this is, this is ridiculous where, where we're at at the moment, you know, the S and P 500 and NASDAQ returns like this is, they, they basically give people 10 year returns. Mm. It's, it's gone a bit crazy. So yeah, I, I just think they need to let it roll over. This is, this can't continue. You can't, but then I don't know what their, their agenda is on sort of the digital currencies and maybe a debt amnesty. I don't know what their, their plans are, but I, I don't know many ways out of this. And I think that's why, you know, I've been quite vocal about the universal basic income. And, you know, people, again, last year were saying, I looked at me like I had a tinfoil hat on, just like, <laughs> you know, seriously, I was, now Wales have rolled it out. It's like, well... They're, they're testing it in Wales. Like, well, you, you really don't think that that's going to be rolled out in, in England. And, you know, you could argue it's already, well, they already, I feel it was like a part of it anyway. But yeah, I think that we were going to be very sort of state dependent. Many people are, and they're, and they're happy with it. You know, you're looking at people on furlough now, most people don't want to go back to work. They're yeah. happy. Yeah. So, yeah. That's spot on, mate. And I think this is the why, I think this is why the jobs, the US jobs market is yeah. still not recovering, right? Is because yeah. people are happy staying at home, getting paid I mean, by the government. We, we literally laughed about it, didn't we? we last week, because the other week before, we just said, no one wants to work, do they? <laughs> Some, summertime, everyone's getting, you know, probably getting paid more off, you know, of the government. They are at the jobs and they're just like, well, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, it's going to take some work, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, when you think you just said people are getting paid more than going to work, when you take out a lot of these people's expenses, they are. They, they don't need to go to work. By the time they travel and their food that they pay, or when they're the time work. they save. Yeah, the t- exactly. And, you know, it's going to be hard to motivate people to go back to that. And, and you can see it. And I think they know that because that's why UBI is even spoke about. Like the only reason that's even a conversation is because they know this is where it's going. Do you want to cause massive civ- civil unrest? Well, what's the choice? Because I already feel we're moving towards more... <laughs> towards civil unrest with if they continue to do more lockdowns people are starting to get sick of stuff like that in the uk but yeah they're going to do anything they can to protect it and you know keeping people in line one of the easiest things to do that is incentivize them with money yeah for sure especially i also think it you know kind of contributes to the fact that like with the just the employment the unemployment rates in the u.s what does that also say about how much people are getting paid just a regular basic working wage if we say we're going to give you a portion of an income and most people are deciding not to go back to work? What is that saying about the salaries that they were earning before that, right? Because in some places, in some cities, and even some, I've seen it down here in New Orleans one time, is that, you know, people are outside of, you know, McDonald's bargaining for 15 to $18 an hour. Right. And you have people making, you know, close to a thousand dollars a week staying at home, you know, so it's just kind of like, what is it saying about 
how people were getting paid before this trillions and trillions of dollars rollout came along. That's a great point, because when you look at the price of wages compared to the price of goods over the last 10 or 20 years, mm. you know, that, that's why the UK are 95% mortgages government backed. Like, you crazy. Like, of everything going on, they're really rolling out 95% mortgages government backed. I'm not sure if they're actually doing it, but I've, I've seen articles about it. And all the stuff they're doing is like, this is, this is the total op. If you want real economic growth, they're doing the total opposite of what you need to do. And I'm not saying that I know all the answers. I, it's just an opinion. But if you want to really get a velocity of money moving the real way, you're doing the, the opposite of what you should be doing as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I think UBI is considered and why they're going to do it is because how else are you going to get the velocity of money moving? You know, they've tried. Look at the money they've printed and it hasn't moved. The, the, obviously, the money supply charts discontinued. It, it, this is the way to get that moving is if you did do the sort of the central bank digital currency, say download our app. I think I said it last time. And, you know, you can, you can get, I don't know, $500 a month or $1,000 a month if you download the app in UBI, but you have to spend it in four weeks, otherwise it disappears, which they can do with that technology on the CBDC. Then that way, you've got people going to put, you've got all these people going to guarantee to put this much money back into the system, which is they've been given, don't get me wrong, but as far as transactions in the system, you're going to move the velocity of money because they have to spend it. I don't see any other way they're going to be able to move the velocity of money. But then I suppose, on the other hand, does macroeconomics even matter anymore? Because it seems the way that, yeah, it's hard to say. Is that we- don't say that to Dylan, mate. You'll have, uh- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you'll have a heart attack. No, no, no. no, no, no. He's, he's, enough, he's enough pain from the vaccine yesterday. Top it over, mate. I love the macro stuff, right? But I think there'll always be a thing. But I mean, the sort of the whole rules around it, like the unwritten rules, it's like, does it even matter anymore what they're doing? You look at stuff and I don't know, it's crazy. It, do you know what? No, mate, you know what? You bang on because I've been thinking about this as well. And even Raul Paul put a video out like a few months ago, maybe saying, is macro dead or something? I don't know if you've seen it. It's like, he titled it, is macro dead or something oh, like that. I and him, yeah, I heard him say, I didn't watch that video, but I heard him mention it on a different podcast, is macro dead. And I was a bit annoyed when he said it. I was like, no, no. I was as well, man. I was crying, man, watching that thing. I was like, damn, man, my hero's gone. <laughs> yes, man. No, but it, it makes sense. Like things that you'd expect to like correlate and kind of make sense in markets just aren't making sense anymore, right? Like the FX no. market right now is like, I used to be, I used to be an FX trader, man, like last year, and I used to trade the FX market quite a bit, and it's just, just dead now, man. Like there's nothing, there's, like nothing's making sense anymore at all, and. There are the, there are a few things that you can cling on to, like like I was saying, like the, the main things that I watch when, when it comes to a macro kind of perspective now are treasuries, dollar, equities, and gold. That's it, and Bitcoin. That's all I look at, and I'll, and I'll try and paint a picture based off that. But otherwise, everything else just seems like it's gone to shit. Yeah, and like the fact that they've just basically been like the Fed's been like, okay, well, you've got to open unlimited supply here of credit if you want it. Come and get it. It's like. Yeah, this this definitely. Uh, if you look at the history of money, and you look back at the, the Great Depression, this would you would think that this is signalling everything towards that. But then every time things are just getting pushed and pushed and pushed, and it's like, what is this going to roll over now? Like I was like, I still think it will, but I was like dead set on like this is this is dead. This is going to be devastating. Right now, it's like because of the stuff they're doing and. It's sort of in their hands now. I, I don't know how it's 
like, like, how are they going to get out of this? That's my question. Is like, what are they what are they going to do to sort of like get out of this situation they're in? This debt, the debt cycle. <laughs> Where we're at now is, I don't think anyone imagined it being where it is now. Like the, the amount of money that they've just printed. And this is something like, so I'm saying my cousin right now and, you know, he's, I'm like, how do you feel about paying like for healthcare and taxes in the States when they can just pull as much money as they want, whenever they want from behind the sofa? <laughs> you know, it's like, surely at some point, us as, regardless of what country you're in, you know, why am I paying taxes? especially in the States, why are you paying them that healthcare? Why can't they just be like, that's free. You ain't got to pay taxes because money doesn't mean anything. It has no intrinsic value anymore. We can do whatever we want. So why are we, why is there, they don't need tax revenue anymore if they can just make it whenever they want. Makes sense. There's that wonderful line that just says, if money's infinite, why do you pay taxes? Exactly. And right now, more than ever, it's like this type of money they printed, like, well, you know, why, why are you going to pay taxes? Like, obviously, where I'm based now, I don't need to, but in the UK, I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's another even, chat for another day. For the <laughs> then then even, even real quick with the tax conversation, I don't know if y'all seen, but like the uh, IRS released, you know, the taxes and how much that like Buffett, Bezos, mm, Bloomberg, yeah. Elon, yeah, like that. 3%, 1%, and you know, 0.10% for Buffett. Like, I mean, what is that on billions of dollars, you know? Yeah. Indeed, I thought you were there for the weather, mate. Honestly. Yeah, no, nah, it is the weather. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our, is that our new code word, yeah? The weather. Is the, weather. <laughs> the weather's nice. <laughs> it was nice in Dubai as well, man. You're just, you're just getting all the, all the luxuries here. <laughs> Overall, man, just appreciate you coming on once again. It was, it was a great conversation. And I think next time, Next time you jump on, I think we'll we'll see some sort of action. The Fed hopefully taking some action as well. We'll, we'll, mm. we'll get we'll get all the answers to what we've been questioning today on this podcast. I think definitely. It was always a pleasure, guys. I love chatting to you you lot all the time. I can never I, I never want to stop. <laughs> I know, bro. I know. I know. Do, do, you, do you want to give uh, the listeners a little update on what you're up to in five AM all that stuff? Where to find you, etc. Yeah, so it's just same as usual. D underscore Ledlow on Instagram, and yeah, at the moment I'm just sort of focused on mainly like M and A, but outside of that. 5am club still want to try and build still building a platform for people to get access to information rather than go and paying someone 20 grand <laughs> on some of these educators and then obviously i'm running a mastermind as well that is it's, it's, it's not just crypto focused is obviously we talk about crypto but it's focused on yeah just sort of becoming a bit of a digital nomad and sort of getting the freedom back so that's sort of what i'm working on right now but other than that mate just same old trying to live life and yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that we know that we know very well exactly d d two last things when are you back in the uk next that's the first one i'm not sure all right i'm, I'm yeah i'm probably gonna stay here till like end of august maybe okay, september cool. and then cool, cool. And then maybe come back if I can. I don't know how, if if I can. <laughs> I don't know, mate. And uh, who's your tip for the Euros? I don't know, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, who's yours? <laughs> I'm going to be supporting England, but uh, Wales, you're not. Wales are in, aren't they? I don't know, or mate. I'm sure um, they are. To, to be fair, mate, I haven't really been following the Euros this time oh, around. But okay. um, <laughs> usually, when the Euros happens, I just support England. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I, I'm sure Wales are in it. Did, uh, yeah. Don't they, they, quote me. I'm sure. 
Yeah, they did pretty good last time, didn't they? Yeah. But let, let's be fair, Wales haven't had the best success in football, so it's like, I just support England. <laughs> All right, mate, that'll do, that'll do. That, that, that Gareth Bale sauce man ain't doing it for him. No, <laughs> yeah, mate, he's just, it's, it's too much hype. <laughs> <laughs> right, bro, right, bro, appreciate it, man, and we'll catch up soon with you, bro. Definitely, mate. Good talking to you guys. Send it, right, send it.